All right, all right. We hope you are ready. Uh, buckle in. It's going to be a good 48 minutes or so. Lots of phone calls, lots of questions coming our way. I'm assuming on a Wednesday night, you're probably thinking, oh, there's so much I want to ask about this. I got questions about mandates and vaccines and employment and severance and losing my job, et cetera, et cetera. This is the time to do it. Yep, 416-870-6400. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That is the uh, the reach out Email, if you want to email us during the show tonight, and uh, if, if we have time between chatting with you, which is awesome, the best part of the show, things to remember when being recalled from a temporary layoff. How topical is that in this current environment? That is all coming up. And uh, any time during the show you want to uh, reach out to Lior, a member of his team, there's two ways. One of them's free, anonymous, and online, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Fantastic website. Severance calculators rolled into that as well, by the way. And there's also the uh, the phone number, right? one 821 5900 But here and now, 416-870-6400. Let's get it cooking. Pal, what's uh, what's on the docket first tonight? Ah, docket, lawyer. I get it. Good uh, good call, Johnny. I love it. <laughs> love it. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's uh, another, another busy week so far for me. Only Wednesday. It feels like it's been a longer week because I've been talking with a lot of people, answering a lot of emails. Uh, and hopefully solving a lot of problems. And I'm going to do that uh, this evening as well. If you have a workplace issue or a dilemma, an ultimatum you're facing, maybe you're worried about your job security. Well, whatever that issue is, this is an opportunity that you have to get solutions, to get answers, and hopefully to feel better knowing what your rights are. So pick up the phone, call us right now. We're live to answer your questions. Of course, you may want to ask me something off air or you want to have a private chat. Not a problem whatsoever. Uh, you can get my contact information throughout the show so that we can have that chat. So don't be bashful. Calls lined up. Before we take our first call, let me tell you quickly about one matter that came across my desk. Uh, this one really kind of made me chuckle a bit. So I spoke with a gentleman earlier this week who had contacted me to review his new job offer letter. He got the job. He was excited about it got an employment agreement, he did the smart thing, which is to have me review to make sure that it's all good and that there's no pitfalls. As we're talking, we're we're chatting, and I found out that his last job that he had lost a few months ago, he had been at for about a year, and so I'm asking him a bit about that, and and he told me that when he lost that job because of COVID, uh, he had been paid uh, two weeks' pay. I said, well, wait a second. Why didn't you reach out to me at that point about your severance? He said, well, I only worked there for a year, so I figured two weeks pay is all I'm out. Uh, I mean, I, I, in fact, I was happy to get that. <laughs> well, I talked to him. And in fact, John, I assessed him as being owed four months pay. Four months. The good news is we still have time to deal with it. So I'm going to help him get that severance from his other job. So he had no idea about that. He contacted me about an employment agreement with a new job, yeah. and we found out that from his previous job, he's owed four months. But the reason I'm bringing this up, other than being kind of a neat story, is the fact that remember the rule. Short service employees still get significant amount of severance. This guy worked there for a year. He still owed four months pay. So short service does not mean a week's pay or two weeks it could still mean months of severance. You lost your job, full-time, part-time, senior, junior, short service, or long service. You have to call. You have to make sure that you get what you're owed. Let's get it happening. 416-870-6400, and we'll roll right into it. Lucy, thanks for being uh, first on the horn. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing tonight? So glad you took the time to call. We appreciate it. Uh, What's on your mind? 
Um, well, first of all, thank you very much for taking my call. Um, so my this is my story. I've been an executive for a company working in that company for 20 years. They wow. This company was bought out three years ago. Um, the new owners, when they first bought the company, they sent a letter to all of us saying that they will not be changing anything in terms of our employment contract or anything like that. Um, now they have just sent us a new employment contract three years later from when they bought the company for us to sign. However, the one thing that I'm thinking about is they have waived the common law severance terms. They've waived that. And I just don't know what to do because I've been there for 20 years. What, what are my options? Excellent call and a very, yeah. very good and important question. So here's what this all means. And I haven't seen the contract, but I can tell you exactly what it does. What it does, it is tries to eliminate your severance entitlements, your future severance entitlements. So you signing that agreement, if you're ever let go, it could be the difference between you being owed 20 to 24 months pay if you don't sign it and being owed as little as eight weeks pay. So this termination clause that you have in that contract can literally cost you tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. So under no circumstances should you sign this. Now... Here's what happens. If you refuse to sign it, one of two things will happen. Either they'll back off and let you be, or they may decide to let you go. But if they decide to let you go, they'll have to pay severance based on your 20 years, which could be up to 24 months pay. That's better than signing this. And let's say uh, six months from now, they decide to let you go because you signed it. Now you're only getting eight weeks pay. So to give up months and months of pay and tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars makes no sense, too risky. Uh, and my recommendation, again, not having seen it, is don't give up your rights. So I'm not legally obligated to sign that employee contract? Absolutely not. Now, they can let you go because an employer can always let an employee go, right? But they would have to pay you severance. You're absolutely not obligated. And in fact, you shouldn't. Wonderful. That's that's good to hear. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Lucy. Appreciate uh, your time as well. And I'm just going to throw that out there in case you want to uh, reach out any other time to Lior, a member of his team, have a uh, lengthier chat, as we always say. Make the phone call, one 821 5900 That is how that works. But continuing on here, of course, for the remainder of the show tonight, lots of time for you to ask your questions on air as well. 416-870-6400. Hey, Richard, thanks for standing by. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for taking my call. Thank you. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, I have a little uh, bit of a different uh, question for Lior. Um, sure. my, wife, my wife has worked for a, a company. She's a professional. She's worked for a company for almost four years, and she's decided to expand her own personal business. And so... She had a good relationship with the company, so she gave them plenty of, of notice, and she's resigning. She uh, gave them a notice that she's resigning as of the middle of, of January. Now, they've come back right. to her and, said, and said, no, we don't, we don't want that. We want you to resign in the middle of, of December um, instead, and we'll pay you for your vacation in lieu, but we're not going to pay you for what she normally would be paid for during a, a seasonal shutdown at, at Christmas. So... She's wondering whether they can just arbitrarily change her date of resignation or what, what are her rights there? Well, if you remember, resignation is something that she can only do voluntarily and unilaterally. They can't decide when she resigns. So she can resign next week, next month, next year. 
it's up to her. Now, they could say, hey, we'd, we'd be very happy if you resign uh, earlier, and she can say if she wants thanks, but no thanks. I'm resigning in January. If they want her gone before, they're allowed to terminate her, but they would have to pay her until that January date. So if they want her gone tomorrow, sure, they can do that, right? That, that, but that becomes a termination, and now they have to pay her until that, that date in January. So if she doesn't want to leave earlier, she can say thanks, but no thanks. And then either they leave her be until January or they terminate her, but have to pay her till January. Does that make sense, Richard? Yeah, so they'd have to pay her to those dates that, that she had she had indicated that she'd be resigned. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if they really want her not to work and to pay her, hey, that's that's good for her. Bad business decision for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... She she shouldn't she doesn't have to agree to resign soon. She can say thanks, but no thanks. I'm staying till January unless you company decide to let me go before then. Okay, and and even though okay, because she had a couple of vacation days scheduled, and they were using that to say, oh, well, this isn't convenient for us because you're not going to be at work very often before your resignation date. It is what it is. Uh, she's allowed to pick that resignation date, uh, and like I said, if they want her gone sooner, they'd have to pay her, Richard. Thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for your time, Richard. Again, uh, following up, if you need to, more questions, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. You know we're going to get to Anthony quick here before we break. Sounds like a plan. Anthony, uh, how are you? Gentlemen, thank you very much for taking my call. Mr. Lior, what I would like to know, what I'm mystified in all this COVID, I know you have a lot of, you're inundated with questions, but um, being an employment lawyer, you that is, the majority that I've spoken to, because I listen to this show, I love you guys, you do a fantastic job. What I'm completely mystified about as a G7 country, Canada, us, what I don't understand is where is the Canadian criminal code, the privacy law? If you don't do this, you get to go home, administrative leave with no pay, and you're fired by December 31st. I don't understand. Where does extortion come in? Essentially, Mr. Lior, what I'm trying to get out of you is, how are employers in general, let's stick with the province of Ontario, how are they getting away with this? Where are the legal ramifications when you guys are pretty much all saying the same answer that they can't? Before I started uh, COVID, excuse me, before COVID, there was no requirement when I got hired 11 years ago. Can I see your medical file? Yeah, but, but, but l- l- let me stop you there because I, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. It's, you know, forget about COVID. What if your employer said, well, from, from now on, you have to uh, drive a BMW in order to work here, right? I mean, that's, you wouldn't say that's, that's a criminal thing. You would say that's probably kind of dumb. And if you lose your job because you don't have a BMW, your employer would have to pay you severance. Well, look at it in that way that your employer is trying to impose a term that they're not allowed to impose, which means if you lose your job because of that, they have to pay you severance. But it's not criminal. It's not extortion. It's your employer trying to impose a, a policy that contractually they're not allowed to do. But to go off and say, oh, my God, this is a criminal matter. I think you're, you're, you're reaching. I think you're off there. It's a question of can they do that? If they cannot and you lose your job, compensation is owed to you. That's as simple as that. Anthony, appreciate the call. I know you're not the only one that feels like that, but that's why we got Lior here, uh, Lior here to, to set, the, set, the, set the table straight, right? We'll take a short break. Helen, yep, see you there. Hang on. We'll get to you and your calls as well. 416-870-6400. We'll continue Employment Law Show, Global News Radio.
Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back indeed. It is uh, 722, plenty of time for you to call in and talk to Lior, ask your questions. That number, uh, 416-870-6400. The website, so useful and uh, built just for you, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds of questions and answers and information. The severance pay calculator is on there as well. And anytime you want to reach out here through email, I'll give you that, uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But always top priority, as you know, the phone calls on this show. And in uh, that regard, Helen, thank you so much for standing by for a moment. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. What's up? Just calling, again, sort of COVID-related. My employer of 10 years has recently sent out an email stating that they're implementing a new policy whereby employees can no longer attend events that are sponsored by the company. And because my, I'm concerned because my position is in a management role where I'm responsible for attending events. I've traveled both, you know, domestically and internationally for events, clientele events, uh, developing clientele. And because it's a part of my job, uh, technically that I will not be able to perform. Now, I haven't uh, formally disclosed my vaccination status to them, but I mean, how can they stop me from doing a portion of my job? If it's something local, for example. So it comes down to whether you not being able to attend those meetings or events, is it going to impact your your compensation? If it's going to impact other things other than it perhaps makes it more difficult for you to do what you do. But if it has an impact where, well, because of that, I'm not going to be able to do this part of my job, so I won't be able to get this bonus or I won't be able to get this commission, then that's different. That could absolutely be considered a constructive dismissal. But if in the big scheme of things it's it's more of an inconvenience, then it's probably not. Do you see what I mean? Yes, but it is uh, what you described because part of developing these clients are securing sales that, you know, ultimately pay commission. And you don't feel that there's a way to make up for that uh, otherwise? I mean, because <laughs> I'm asking that because in the last couple of years with, with COVID, et cetera, we've probably been doing a lot more stuff remotely than we have otherwise been doing. So you don't think that's a possibility? Not in this case. And my my point is, I mean, they're allowing us to interact with clients within the business environment, they're allowing us to interact with other clients, not just uh, the VIP clients. They're allowing us to interact with staff, and that's not an issue. Oh, no, and, and I, I, I agree with you. So, so I, I'm not even talking about whether or not the policy is logically sound. What I'm talking about is whether or not or, or how it impacts you. If you can show that this will have an impact on your, about your ability to earn income and, and uh, get paid, then you may be able to treat this as a constructive dismissal. Now, there's no way to actually make them to take this back. I mean, you can certainly talk to them and try to convince them to see that this makes little sense, perhaps, and that you were able to attend these events and, you know, you're going to comply with all public health orders, etc. But if they say, too bad, we're not doing that, you may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal. I think you've been there for 10 years. You could be looking at 12 months or more of compensation. If that's the route you choose to take... Connect with me off air and we'll do that. Obviously, I want to understand more about your job and how it's going to impact you, but that's a possibility that you have. Okay. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you. Thanks for your time, Helen. Appreciate the call and enlightening everybody as well. Here's that number to reach out to Lior and his team uh, to follow up, one 821 
5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca but here and now 416-870-6400 kane you are up next good evening good evening what's going on with you tonight okay so uh in april at the end of april of this year i was received a, a termination letter uh, I'm, uh, I was the head of a school, of a private school, and um, so the termination letter basically said that they wanted me to finish my contract as time, um, and then they were going to give me eight weeks of severance and eight weeks in lieu of time, so 16 weeks altogether. Um, there was no mention of benefits or uh, bonuses or anything else that uh, we would have normally have received. Now, I did write them a letter back in uh, midsummer, basically stating that, you know, they should be paying for my benefits through at least the 16 weeks after the 31st of August, which was when my contract finished. Um, but I feel that at my age, because I'm 60, it's very difficult to find um, a position at my age for a school a private school that's looking for, you know, younger and uh, maybe more vibrant people, although I do think I'm still pretty vibrant. So, uh, Ken, uh, how long have you been there for? Um, I was there for almost nine years. But in the almost nine role years, for six. Sure. And in, in, is it fair to say that you would have signed a contract every year? Uh, yes, every year or every other year, depending on the flavor of the month for the the uh, owner of the school. Okay, and, and your most recent contract would have ended in August, end of August. That's correct. So they told. So I'm just trying to make sure I understand. So they told you in, at the end of April that we're not renewing your contract. You're going to be done at the end of August. So we're giving you whatever this four months notice. Let's call it. Sure. In addition to that, we'll pay you in addition to the four months notice an additional sixteen weeks pay. Correct. Okay, so. The, the equivalent of what they've done here from a severance standpoint is the four months notice plus the 16 weeks. So we can call it roughly eight months, four and four. So the question okay. is whether or not you're, you're owed more. And after, I think, nine years, you said, most recently as a principal at the age of 60, yes, the right number for you is 12 months. The fact that you were on a contract doesn't change that because you signed multiple contracts. Those contracts become meaningless. So the right number for you is right around 12 months pay. That's what they owe you. So not only uh, do they have to continue your benefit coverage for a period of 12 months starting from April, uh, so let's say till next April, but they also owe you over and above the 16 weeks that they've offered you another uh, four months pay. So an extra 16 weeks over and above that. So okay. that's the good news. The good news is that, that you're owed more, and it's also not going to be difficult to resolve. So what I want you to do, I want you to connect with me off air. We'll have a chat, and we'll get going. This should resolve fairly quickly. Okay. Thanks, Kane. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the call and the time. I'm going to throw the number at you right now. We'll repeat it throughout the show if you miss it. It's one uh, 855 5,900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Moving on down the line to Bez. Hi, Bez. Good evening. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, brother. What's uh, what's up in hey, your corner? Hey, hey, Ro. Just don't want to say huge fan of the show. I always try to tune in, to tune in as, uh, as much as I can. Uh, awesome. So thanks for Thank all you. the information that you guys uh, pass forward. It's very, very valuable in, uh, in these, uh, really, you know, what I would uh, equate to really tough times. Mm-hmm. My question was, uh, my wife's been working at a hospital in the Niagara region for the last, uh, she's under a year as an employee there now. 
uh, in light of these mandates that are going on, the union has been uh, little to no help to them. Uh, and I understand that, you know, a lot of grievances and all that stuff have to go through the, uh, through the union. But my question is more so after. So what they've done is uh, they've given them the ultimatum, either uh, get the vaccine or get terminated essentially by the middle of January. Um, and uh, so what are some of her options uh, following that the January date if she doesn't go ahead with, uh, with getting the, uh, the vaccine? So the only option that's available to her as a unionized employee is the union filing a grievance. There's, there's no other options, there's no other possibilities uh, or, or exceptions to that. If the union files a grievance, then they can, and one of the things that the grievance would do is to, to prevent her from being terminated, and if she is terminated, to get her job back with back pay. But the union has to decide to do that, and if they ultimately decide not to, that's a, a very tough situation because there's no other options available. So a unionized employee cannot do anything outside the union. They cannot hire a lawyer. They cannot take legal action against the employer. It has to be the union with no other options or exceptions. Okay. So and the other thing I was going to ask you, in that policy that they brought out, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've had any kind of dealings with or if you've heard of it. So what they've done is uh, they're asking that certain employees abide by a certain policy, which they'll have to comply with by the middle of January with regards to vaccination. But certain right. other employees, including doctors and whatnot, are having to abide by another policy. So well, what that does is it, is it gives the union more ammunition to fight it. In other words, they say, yeah. well, if it was so necessary, you would make everyone do it. You wouldn't have different rules for different people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that gives the union more ammunition, absolutely. And I think there's a good chance the union could be successful. But it has to be the union. Uh, there's no one, no other way to do it, and there's no one else that can do it. Okay, because I know, like with the union, they've been little help. So I thought maybe, uh, you know, if, if she's not getting anywhere with them, then see what her options are outside of. Uh, no, the union. unfortunately, yeah. the unionized employee has very limited options. It's always the union. Uh, there's no one else that can uh, do it at all. And as far as the grievance, will she have to wait until that time comes, or can she file early? Uh, th- no, she would, she would be able to file early, but again, it's not up to her. The union has to do it, and the union may decide to wait and see, because by January, who knows, maybe things are so much better than the hospital decides to take back the policy. So right. the union could do it now, uh, but it's up to the union. Okay, all right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bez. Appreciate uh, all of your time and questions as well. Reaching out any further, even though it's a union matter for anything outside of that, uh, one 821 5,900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. By the way, if you just go to employmentlawyer.ca, that'll get you to the firm website. There's a media tab drop down and you can find links to our uh, television show on YouTube and other sources as well. That's 30 minutes long and uh, we've been doing that for quite some time. So there you go. That's quite often, uh, you know, if obviously, you know, you've said and you keep saying, Lior, can't really deal with union matters. It's up to your union. But, you know, how many times have we heard that line? Yeah, okay, Lior, I get that. It sucks, but the union's not doing anything for me. Yeah. We, we hear that. It's frustrating, right? I can tell you that I've been hearing that as long as I've been practicing, 20 years. Yeah. But over the past few months or so with the vaccine mandates, I've been hearing that so many times every single day. Uh, and ultimately, the unfortunate reality for those individuals that, that are losing their job is that the union is the only one that's allowed to help them. And if the union won't help you, really the only thing you could do is file a complaint against your union with the labor board. Not something that's usually successful. 
uh, it's a possibility, but not one I usually recommend. So it's it's something that I hate saying. There's no other options because as a yeah. lawyer, I'm always trained to look for options. But when you're come when it comes to unionized employees, there's actually no other options. Again, phones are quiet now. You still got lots of time. 416-870-6400. 416-870-6400. You want to uh, call through and ask your questions? We'd love to have you on there. In the meantime, let's get to our prep. If I can find it again, I shut it down. Hang on. Uh, things to remember when being recalled from a temporary layoff. We were so busy there. Uh, number one is this. Again, temporary layoffs, a very important topic, especially in the last year and a half, if, it, if it's never been more important than now. Number one is this. You have a right to return to a safe workplace. Break that down for me. Well, for sure. And so we have so many individuals that over the past couple of years, you know, since the pandemic started, have been put on a, on a temporary layoff. There's still many individuals that are still on that temporary layoff. Some people are, are coming back to work. So first of all, before we even talk about the, the, that list that you mentioned, keep in mind, if you're on a temporary layoff, you have a right to treat that as a termination. You can do that now. You don't have to wait till tomorrow, till next week, or till next month. But if you don't want to do that, and if you are calling, getting called back to work and you want to wait for that, one of the primary responsibilities that an employer has is to ensure a safe work environment. And that really means making sure that the workplace complies with all government requirements, masking, social distancing, uh, safety of equipment, and you don't have, uh, you shouldn't go and you don't have an obligation to go to back to a workplace that's not safe. So if you know that no one's being, no one wears any masks in the workplace and that people are congregating without masks and that's a, an unsafe workplace. That's a workplace that's in breach of, of laws when it comes to safety. You can say no to that. You can't yeah. be punished for that. You can refuse work. You can even bring in, uh, your employer would have to bring in if you refuse work, an inspector from the Ministry of Labor to investigate. So safety is important. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, vaccines have to be mandated uh, by, the work, by the workplace because the government has not mandated it. But mm -hmm. there are requirements like va like uh, masking and distancing, and your employer has to follow that before they bring you back to work. Get another question online uh, on air here, Sandy. Thanks for uh, taking the time. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? I just have a quick question. Um, for my workplace, they're um, they've they've given us rapid tests to do, which is fine, but they're wanting us to take pictures from our personal phones and send them in to a link. Are they allowed to do that? I'm not comfortable using my personal device for that. You know, it's it's one of those things where you're probably right, but is this really something that you want to get into a big argument with your employer about? Okay. Putting aside who's right and who's wrong, if you're comfortable with otherwise doing the tests, talk to your employer, see if there's another way to work it out. But if they ultimately say, no, that's the only way we can do it, we've set things up to do it this way only, Honestly, I would not get into a fight over this. I would not uh, pursue a constructive dismissal or legal action. Talk to your employer. Try to convince them. Try to rationalize with them. I think a lot of employers will give you some other options, but I really don't feel that this is the type of thing you'd want to get into a big fight over your, with your employer over. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind doing them. It's just I don't feel it's right that I have to use my own device. So, Okay. All right. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks, appreciate Sandy. Uh, appreciate yeah. your time. Let us know. Uh, let us know how it goes. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Sandy uh, to Sandra. Hi, Sandra. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Um, my husband works for a municipality, 
He's a non-unionized employee, and he has been acting in a in a management role for a year. Um, he was uh, replacing uh, his old boss. Um, he is now being put back into a supervisory role. So my question is, does the municipality have the right to reduce his salary um, and pay him what he was being paid before? Or can they keep him uh, the salary that he's being paid now when he was at a, at a different role, an acting role? So when he... so. You said you said acting role, so it was understood that it's only temporary, that it's not for for, for forever. Is that fair? That's fair. Yep. Okay. So if it was clear that this is only temporary until someone else comes back, etc., then his employer is able to uh, take him back to his old terms of employment, his old job, and his old pay. They don't have to maintain the higher salary. Now, if they had simply said you're in this new role. And then they said, now we've changed our mind, you're going back. That they couldn't do. But if it was clear that this is just temporary for a specific purpose or a specific period of time, they can do that. Now, he, he can certainly talk to them, and, and, and maybe there's a compromise to be had. But in terms of what his employer must legally do, they don't have to uh, continue his pay based on that acting role. Okay. Thank you. That was all I wanted to know. No worries. Thanks, Sandra, for your time and uh, and best of luck. As we got a few more minutes here, we got time for uh, for a few more calls too. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. In the meantime, things to remember when being recalled from a temporary layoff. Number two, you have the right to. Here we go. Here it relates. We have the right to earn the same pay, hours of work, and job you had before the layoff because that has been rampant right. since COVID. Right, everybody going. Ah, you know what? You still got a job, but we're changing it. Yeah, we're changing it. We're going to give you different hours, less hours, change your shifts, uh, change your pay, your compensation structure, bonuses, etc. So, no, an employer does not have a right to make significant changes to terms of employment. So, your employer can't reduce your pay, can't put you on the evening shift if you're working day shift, uh, can't demote you, put you part-time if you're full-time. You get the idea. And the same thing happens when coming back from a temporary layoff. You have a right to the same terms of employment. And if your employer says, we will take you back, but only on different terms, that's a constructive dismissal. It's not something that they're allowed to do. So if you're faced with that choice, uh, you know, losing your job or or, uh, going back on different terms, remember, you don't have to accept different terms. And if you do accept different terms, keep in mind that you've now opened the door to this happening again. So, okay, my employer is going to take me back, but it's going to reduce my pay by 20%. I'll do that to be the good soldier. Fine. But by accepting that pay reduction, you've given them the right to do it again. And two months from now, if they want to reduce you by a further 20%, you won't be able to do it anything about it because you let it happen the first time. Mm-hmm. So you have the right when coming back from a temporary layoff to go back to the exact same terms of employment. Number three. You do not have to sign a new employment contract if you're coming back. Absolutely. There is no reason, there's no basis, there's no rationale for you having or needing to sign a new employment agreement when coming back from a temporary layoff. Let me make this very clear. The only time your employer is going to want you to or ask you to sign a new employment agreement is if that employment agreement provides for much better terms for your employer. 
not for you. So you should always, always be weary of being uh, presented with a new employment agreement, certainly when you're coming back from a, uh, a leave, from a, from a layoff. That agreement, like with the previous caller, could limit your future severance and give the company rights that it didn't otherwise have. So no, you can tell your employer, happy to come back to work. I'm, I'll come back on the same basis that I've always worked. I don't need to sign a new employment agreement. They can't make you. They can't penalize you. And there's very, very good reason not to sign one. If you are presented with a new employment agreement, if you want to know what it actually does and says and how, how concerned you should be, flip it over to me. Let me take a look at it, and I'll let you know. Your seniority does not start back at zero. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another a good point. If you're uh, coming back from a temporary layoff, you're coming back to continue your seniority. In fact, the time you spent on that temporary layoff counts towards your seniority. Now, that's important for a number of things. It's, also, it's especially important when it comes to future severance. So if you come back from a uh, temporary layoff and then you're let go, well, your severance is going to be calculated based on your total years. It doesn't start at zero on the day you come back from layoff. So that's also important not to sign anything that says otherwise, but always keep in mind that you're not starting at zero. So if you are ever let go, the time that you spent on a temporary layoff, maybe it's two years, like some people have been Mm -hmm. on a temporary layoff for nearly two years now. Those two years do count. So that's important when it comes to your severance. Things to remember when being recalled from a temporary layoff, and you set the table nicely for uh, for this next one, Lior, number uh, number five, and is if you aren't recalled to work, you are owed severance pay. And this could be months and months and months since you stepped foot inside the door, right? So obviously, you're, if you're not recalled, you're owed severance. Keep in mind, you're also owed severance, or you can pursue severance and get it, if you choose not to wait, if you choose to say enough is enough. But ultimately, if you're not recalled, then yes, of course you're gonna be owed severance. Your employer can't get around paying you severance by saying, we put you on a temporary layoff. If you're not back at work, you have to get paid. So either you wait and see what happens, or you can choose to treat that layoff as a termination now. The decision is yours, uh, but don't just sit indefinitely. Uh, If you've been on the layoff for a while, you wanna reach out to me sooner rather than later. That number, by the way, is I'll give you the last couple here, one 821 5900 Now we'll get to our last one, and uh, I love this one. You need a good reason in order to refuse to go to, go to work, right? <laughs> so, yeah, if, if you're being recalled back to work and you're not going to go, there has to be a reason, and, and that reason has to be something where you can point to, to, to something concrete. You can't say, well, I'm not feeling safe. That's not good enough unless there's a reason for you to not feel safe. Or I'm not going to go back because you changed my job or changed my hours. If you are called back to work and you decide not to and you don't have a quote-unquote good reason, that could be considered a resignation. If you're not sure what to do, give me a call. Thank you for all the calls tonight here on air and uh, reaching out. Love having you uh, ask those questions. We'll uh, we'll take it for now until the weekend, but you want to reach out to Lior. I've given it out. I'll show give it one more time before we go. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Email address right there. And finally, the website. Basically, all you need, in fact, before you even call Lior, go here, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show. Don't don't go anywhere, though. Stick around. On Point's coming right back with Alex Pearson here on Global News Radio.